Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Good to see you tonight. Good to be in Arlington, Texas. Amen. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say something smart about the uh, restrictions and the corona and all this pandemonia, but I'm sure everybody's probably up to here with that, right? So let's just get into the word. How about that? Amen. Let me uh, let me express my uh, uh, my gratitude to you guys tonight for being here. I I know that uh, there's a lot uh, that's trying to disband the church right now, but um, I'm just glad that you're here. So I'm going to just share with you what the Lord has shared with me. Would that be okay? Uh, you know, when I came over the timeline of uh, 2020 this year, I sensed in my spirit a tremendous uh, freshness in the atmosphere. I really felt like it was a new season, brand new decade, brand new time in God. And, and uh, the Lord began to speak to me. He began to tell me, he said, be very careful about how you paint on this clean canvas. And, and he said, if you'll paint correctly... Uh, this fruit will last for the rest of uh, the rest of the decade for the next nine years. And I really believe with all my heart that God is strategically doing some things this year and in the year to come to really uh, maneuver the church. I would say see the church, but maneuver the church into moving into the power of God. You know, um, we have to remember something. Our, our spirit is rejuvenated. It's made alive. It's in co-laborship with the Holy Spirit. There's no restrictions in our spirit. Amen? The problem is the soul. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And um, the Lord began to deal with me, and, and, and he, said, he said to me, he said, son, he said, in this year, I'm going to show you how I look at things. And I started to get excited until I began to realize that he was talking about me. You know what I'm saying? What, what, yeah, what had happened is, is I had gotten locked down in my soul. And I, I, had, uh, I had picked up some things that were moving me away from the nature of God as a minister. A lot of ministers won't talk transparent with you, but I, I don't have a problem with this, okay? Because I really believe that it's time to appeal to the honesty in our walk with God. Yes. You know, we have a tendency to be so spiritual that we, uh, we, we get a little off and, and we, we begin to hide ourselves in our spirituality. Well, then we wonder why we have no fruit, we have no breakthrough, we see no presence, we see no power, we see no victory. And the Lord began to deal with me. He said, Sonny, he said, you've picked up some attitudes, and in ministry, what had happened is uh, I do my very best to make sure that I have the word of the Lord for the body of Christ. And when you labor to um, proclaim what God is saying and people look at you like, eh, you know, you have a tendency to kind of get a little frustrated. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you know that if, we, if they would adhere to what God is saying and make the adjustments, the, uh, the, the, the problems that God would keep us from are amazing. And, and uh, I begin to get a little frustrated with the, uh, with the, uh, the you know, just the, the, the lethargy in, in, the, in the church. And, and, and the Lord began to deal with me. He began to tell me, he said, look, he says, I got to deal with that attitudes, those attitudes in you. Because what they're doing is they're, they're moving you away from the nature of my, my spirit. They're, they're moving you away from the fruit of the spirit. And, um, you know, that's all been cleared up. I'm sure that I've got a long ways to go. I know that you guys are, you guys are right there. You're at the finish line. I, 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 okay. But just pray for me, okay? Yeah, I still have a long way to go, okay? But, uh, you know, I, I, we're going we're gonna to find that as God begins to clear up the soul um, with attitudes and hurts and frustrations and disappointments, and, and I'm going to be preaching tonight a message, uh, what do you do when life puts a label on you? Okay? What we're going to find is we're going to find that God is going to start flooding our, our soul with his thoughts. 
And I, I, about four years ago, I was sitting in a conference and the Lord spoke to me and he said, he said, this year my thoughts will be your thoughts and my ways will be your ways. And I started down that path and, you know, the Lord started dealing with me in the following year. He said, look, he said, it's not about what you want or what, what I want you to do. It's about what you want me to do. And I said, really? I said, is that the case? You're telling me that it's not about what you want me to do, but it's about what I want you to do. You see, I had to make sure that I approached God correctly. You know, a pure thing, a pure manifestation like a miracle requires a pure approach. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever asked out of need, necessity, uh, you know, selfishness, pride? All right, nobody around here, okay. But you know, there are people out there, people out there that do, okay. And then we wonder why we don't see results. And, and I got a feeling that we've, well, life has tried to mask us in, in certain ways. And, and I really feel the Lord wanting to pull that off of us. How about that? If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me to First Chronicles chapter 4. And we're going to read two verses tonight, and then we'll build from there. But in verse 9 of chapter 4, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Now, let me give you a little background about Jabez. You know, I love the scriptures because they have a tendency, when you begin to look into their depth, they have a tendency to paint a very unique picture, a picture that is uh, not really seen on the surface. We have to remember that Jabez, first and foremost, was the 18th born from her. okay? Now, we know who her was. Her and Aaron held Moses' hands up. While they were on a mountain, while he was on a mountain. And as long as his hands were held up, uh, the nation of Israel prevailed in battle. Now, this is why I bring that out because this is the kind of character that we're getting ready to talk about. 18 is a very unique scriptural number. It means to break bondage. To break bondage, okay? So this is who we're talking about. We're talking about a man of character that was birthed to break bondage. All right. So the scripture goes on to say this, and, and, and notice that his mother calls him Jabez because he, she, he was born in pain. Okay. Uh, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Or what he's basically saying is, is I don't want to repeat this cycle. Okay. There's a lot of people that do a lot with the prayer of Jabez, but the only thing that I can do is what God is, you know, put in me to do something with. Okay. And he's basically saying this is my life has been born to break the cycle of reproduction. Okay. So God granted him what he requested. Now, we have to remember that uh, we didn't ask to be born into the families that we were born into, did we? Or to be raised the, the ways that we were raised. Some of us were brought up in good homes. Some of us, not so good homes, okay? But even in the best of situations, there have been both bad and good in our raising. There is no perfect parent, so there is no perfect home. That's just the way it is. But Jabez's prayer was to enlarge his territory. And I think that everybody in this room wants to be a more successful Christian than where you're at now. And how many realize that your success in Christianity or your Christ-likeness makes your success in marriage? It makes your success in child-rearing. It makes your success on the job or with your business or in your church or in society. Okay? So his, he basically cries out to God and he says, God, he says, enlarge my territory. Well, we have to remember something. For that kind of blessing to take place, the first thing that needed to take place in Jabez's heart is for God to enlarge his heart. Okay? All right, everybody wants more than where you're at. But have you ever asked yourself why in the world isn't prophecy happening? Why in the world isn't visions and dreams coming to pass? Have you ever asked yourself that? 
Okay, how many wouldn't say anything no matter what I say? <laughs> everybody in this room is in time waiting on a time. And everybody in this room is a victim of a prophetic word or a prophetic moment. You may say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about... Uh, something that God has said, and you know in your heart it to be true, it's authentic, it's genuine, it's truly the word of the Lord, but yet it seems, seems to be so outstanding. It's five, six, 10 years, 15 years old, and, and how come it's not happening? Well, apparently the character needed to operate in the character of the call hasn't taken place. Doesn't mean that God doesn't know that you don't have the character to do this because he would have never said or shown you what he said or shown you unless he knew that you were already equipped with the character to rise to the occasion. But human nature, it goes something like this. In Israel, when they were in the, in the wilderness for 38 years, how many realized that every day was a miracle? They got manna every day from God. They got something that they didn't work for. All right, I'm going to try it over here. I said they got something that they didn't work for. Now, how many realize it's the difference between the five wise and the five foolish virgins in Matthew 25? There were those that knew how to birth, and there are those that always want to borrow. And if you know how to birth, then basically your walk with God, uh, your intensity in your walk with God, your, your desire for closeness, your desire for transition and repentance and, 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 and yeah, elevation and growth and maturity, it, it's just a burning uh, substance on the altar of your heart. Okay? And, and, and we have to remember that these are the people that are ready for feasts. These are the people that are ready for seasons. These are the people that are ready for the next level. These are the people that are walking in fulfillment. But people that are always borrowing, people that are, are, are gleaming something that they didn't work for, didn't develop the character to see the miracle, doesn't mean that God's changed. He's still a miracle worker. But here's the thing. There came a day where the manna stopped. And I personally believe that we are in a time where what folk used to be able to borrow from the last decade has stopped. And God is asking all of us to grow up. God is asking all of us to be accountable and be responsible. Pay attention to conviction. Pay attention to unctions. Pay attention to promptings. Pay attention to leadings. Be obedient in the moment. You want to be, if you want to be great in something big, you have to be great in something small. Don't you? You've got to be faithful in the small things. If you're going to be faithful in the big things, it's just the way it works. Okay, so the day of borrowing, the day of getting something for nothing's over. You might say, well, I'm not going to turn grace into works. Well, that, that's not what I'm talking about. Because if you understand faith, you understand that faith does have works. I'll show you my faith by my works, and my works will show you my faith. Right? So what are the works of the believer? The works of the believer are prayer, fasting, conviction, repentance, soul winning, Come on, amen. All kinds of things that we're supposed to be doing that most Christians don't do. Love the way you're shouting right now. <laughs> okay? So we have to remember that Jabez's prayer was first and foremost enlarge my, my territory or enlarge my heart. Here, here's what we have to pay attention to. When you can always tell when somebody's heart's changed, their attitude has changed. Anybody ever been around anybody that, you know, had an attitude that was talking louder than the character of their words? You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know how I really feel with my attitude. I don't have the character to actually vocalize it, but I'm going to let you know how I really feel with my attitude. Amen. Okay. So... <laughs> So your attitude changes when your heart changes. And this is, this is good news. It really is. All right? Um, so he, we have to remember that, that he, he did pray for God's hand to be with him, or that the right hand of God speaks of three things in Scripture. First and foremost, it speaks of the blessing of the Lord. Okay, these are important things. And we're going to look at all three tonight. 
The second thing that the right hand of God uh, defines itself or, or means in Scripture is authority. Authority. And the third thing that the right hand of God speaks of is intercession. How many realize that we need to give ourselves to prayer? Especially now. You know, the Lord said something to me, you know, when the Lord began to clear up my soul and, and, and he began to get uh, me back in sync, in cadence, in harmony with the fruit of the spirit, the divine nature of God. I, then and, and only then was my soul in, in, in alignment to actually have God kind of thoughts. Third John verse two, brethren, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I really believe that as we learn how to heal and align with the nature of God, you're going to be surprised the thoughts that God gives you. Let me just drop a God thought on you. Can I do that? I mean, I'm just minding my own business the other day, probably passing out tracks or, you know, praying in the spirit. And the Lord said something to me. He said, son, he said, when the fruit of my spirit is your sensors, that's when discernment is at its best. Who thinks like that? <laughs> how, many, how many realize that they, you know, that's, that's way above your pay grade? You know, you're getting that information. <laughs> you're getting the download, <laughs> amen, from the one who knows what's next. Right? Okay. And this is the kind of, this is the kind of a, a maturity that God wants in the life of the believer, I believe, this year. Okay, that the fruit of the Spirit, it's our sensors. How many realize it's going to wipe out insecurity? It's going to wipe out inferiority. It's going to wipe, wipe out being deceived. Okay? You know, a, a, person, a person that doesn't even apply the Word of God is, is deceiving themselves. The enemy doesn't even have to get involved. Right? Are we okay tonight? Okay. So I, I, I think that uh, he also prayed that God would keep him from evil and that he would keep him from repeating cycles. Because what's interesting, what I want to really tackle tonight is this. The man's uh, mother basically said, I'm going to call him this because he was born in pain. Now, how many realize that it's a, uh, it's a uh, metaphor here? Uh, she was missing the whole picture. You have to remember something, regardless of what you, how your parents have looked at you, if they have tried to blame you in any way for their pain, they've tried to put a label on you that is different than the purpose in which God created you for. A lot of people, well, you know, children are an inconvenience or, or, you know, my child caused me this hurt or caused me that pain. Well, let me just say something to you. The next generation is designed to reveal us. Just like marriage is designed to reveal us. Your wife will, you know, the Lord told me one day, he said, number one, I'm tired of you talking about my daughter. I said, well, thank you. And he said, I sent that woman into your life to reveal your life. Sorry, fellas. And the Lord basically brought me to an understanding. You know, Adam was, uh, was in tune with the father when, when God was telling him what to call creation. And then all of a sudden, God put him into a deep sleep and took a bone from his, his, his side and a rib from his side and, and, um, and, and, and uh, made Eve, of course, out of this. And then the scripture says that the, God waited to see what Adam would call her. You know what his hope was? His hope was that Adam would say about Eve what was in the father's heart to say about Eve. Okay. Yeah. Fellas, you're going to get a lot of mileage out of that. <laughs> Find out what's in the heart of the father about your wife. Find out what's in the heart of the father about your husband. And let that be your communication. That was worth the drive tonight, y'all. <laughs> Amen. And can I encourage you? Every family's got, got its cycles. Right? And our ambition, I pray that our ambition tonight is that we would strive to make uh, these cycles something that we can put an end to. That we wouldn't leave them unsettled. Matthew 13, verse 41 says, The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend. 
Okay. Would you like to know what an offense is? An offense is a missed opportunity to honor the Lord. You yielded to something, and there's a reason why you yielded to it. It's normally an unresolved issue somewhere. Okay. And he's going to remove this and them that do iniquity. The Living Bible calls it this living or everything that causes sin and stumbling. This is what God is going to remove. Or basically, Jesus knows exactly what to say and what to do to get 100% effect. How many realize that we can't lie in the face of knowledge? Okay. So God knows exactly what to say and what to do. Amen. And I will tell you this, that when we're, we're, t- we're talking about resolving indifferences, either with us or with ourselves or with others around us, um, this day can come a whole lot quicker if the parties that are involved are willing. If you're willing as an individual or if the group of people that you've had some problems with are willing, you can definitely make uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, reconciliation a whole, much, a whole lot quicker. But if things delay, what you have to be careful uh, about is this, that you don't get angry or feel guilty. Okay? And that you do your best to keep yourself from allowing your emotions to lie to you. Here's the beauty of having the fruit of the Spirit. You can take the fruit of the Spirit and parallel the condition of your soul and find out exactly where you're at in your likeness in Christ. Did you, are we okay with that? Okay. All right. So we, have, we, we are emotional people, but we have to remember that some of these emotions will try and take advantage, advantage of us like anger. How many realize that anger is nothing more than a detectant to what's wrong? It should never rule you. It should never push you in the wrong direction. It should let you know that something's not quite firing on all eight cylinders. Come on, amen. We might not be the spiritual hot rod that we think we are. Okay? Amen? You know, what bothers me is these people that pray in tongues for hours, and then you let somebody just kind of look at them cross, and they want to, they want to fight. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay? And, and, and see, Christian people are wonderful at forgiving, but what they're not good at is healing from what they forgave. Now, you know when you've been healed from what you've forgiven. You know how you know that? When nothing can trigger you. And nothing can control you. Okay? When you get around people that have old behavior, anybody ever been around somebody, you know, you're advancing in Christ, you're growing in God, and all of a sudden you get around somebody that's got old behavior, like an aunt or, you know, a grandparent or a mom or a dad, and all of a sudden they just try and suck you right back into the influence of that old behavior. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever had too many family reunions ruined? or Thanksgivings, or Christmases, or all this other stuff, because that old behavior is there to entice you, to prick you, to frustrate you, to try and get you to support it like you have for the last 30 years. Now, all of a sudden, you've made a decision to heal. And how many realize that when you make a decision to heal, uh, you're going to take that thing for a test drive to find out where you're at? Okay, and when that, when that situation creates itself, you've got to recognize it. Remember the fruit of the Spirit, if it's your sensors, it's your discernment, okay? Something's trying to pull me out of the nature of God's influence and pull me into the nature of what has always ruled my family. And I'm not going to let that tag be put on me. I, as, t- as soon as you cut that thing off, it's like air to a fire. You cut off air to a fire, and what happens? The fire goes out. If you don't feed it, it's going to die. And I will tell you this, until the church starts thinking differently, you'd be surprised the things that people are going to keep alive in their families. And God won't have the right to deal with it. What <laughs> did I just say that? <laughs> I hope I'm on record too. Amen. Hello? It means that we're going to have to be honest, okay? So here's the thing, and, and if, like I said, if, if other people, if other people don't want to get right, you owe it to yourself to get right. Yeah. 
Because they'll never have the opportunity to, to do what's right until somebody involved does. So why in the world why would you let a moment in time still control you 15, 20, 25 years down the road? Okay? Doesn't make any sense. I just say we get that stone out of our shoe tonight. Or that stone out of our bed tonight. Or that root exposed, uh, you know, in the tooth tonight. Get, get that healed. And that's all the scriptural stuff I have right there concerning that. Okay? Amen. So let's look at the three things that we talked about tonight concerning blessing. Everybody say blessing. blessing. We have to remember that Jabez, his mother, put a label on him because she bore him in pain. Believers today must be thinking differently if things are going to turn out differently. Those that are hurting are going to put labels on you. They put labels on Jesus. Did you ever notice that the ones that were hurting on the outside put the label of miracle worker on Jesus? But the ones that were hurting on the inside always put labels like, you know, he casts out devils, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, with the finger of God or, or he's a drunkard or he's a, he, he's a, fr a friend of, of, you know, of harlots and, and, and all different. W what was going on? There was, there was something that was raging on the inside with these people. Always remember this. Poverty and religion are twin sisters. Okay. Now, remember in John 9 when Jesus opened the eyes of the blind? How many realize that the blind dude, didn't have, he didn't have a problem with that? Amen. Right? You knew who had a problem with it? The religious folk. Okay? And then all of a sudden we transition into John 10, and Jesus says, I'm the door. Right? Nobody can come into this thing other than through the door. And if you try and do it any other way, you're a thief and a robber. And he goes right down into verse 10 and he says, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He, there is no demonic activity in John 9 or John 10. What he's talking about is religious systems that want to keep people blind. You see, here's the, here's the deal. When you can get around somebody that will open your eyes... Religion in people are going to have a problem with this. You know why? Because they want you just as broke, busted, and disgusted and miserable as they are. Okay? And why in the world would you let that religious spirit keep you blind from the truth? Nothing to do with the devil. It has everything to do with systems. You might say, well, what's at the root of the, the system? Well, I got a feeling that the root of the system is definitely the enemy. Okay, but I, I'm thankful tonight that Jesus was anointed by the Father to heal both the brokenhearted as well as those that uh, needed recovery of sight. Right? 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. God knows exactly where and how long strongholds have been there. Okay? We need to understand this, and we've got to be very careful about how we leave the right impression or imprint on people. Got to be very careful. The Lord told me, he said, you be careful about how you paint this year. Paint carefully. I've been putting out, if you want to follow me on Facebook or if you want to follow this message, uh, you can go to my website, timhinesministries.com, and sign up to receive the newsletter because I'm going to be writing about uh, healing the soul all year long. The Lord told me, he said, this year I'm going to show you what a whole soul looks like. And my people will be able to think differently when they get healed in their mind, will, and their emotions. They're going to receive miracles. Healings will become that much more rapid and more effective. And it, it'll be fruit that remains. Anybody ever been prayed for and three weeks later you got the same symptoms? Some wrong, y'all. I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, we we're, we got to pay attention to the gnats that are in the ointment. Small foxes that are spoiling the vine. Okay, so I've been putting out on Facebook and, 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 and writing about this, this whole soul uh, approach, and, and, I, and I call it thoughts from a whole soul. Listen to, listen to what I'm going to say. People that are blaming you for whatever they're blaming you for, especially if, they're, if you are innocent of the charges. How many realize being right is not worth it sometimes? If being right is important, more important to you than staying in, in agreement, staying in unity, then I don't think that being right is that important. 
If it leads to division, okay? Let me, can I just tell you something? The truth knows how to stand on its own. And you are submitted to a righteous judge. You know what that means? It means that you don't have to defend yourself. Okay? All I have to do is just do what's right. Okay? And I will tell you, there's a lot of people that will assume the responsibility of reconciling their families. When maybe your family is not ready to be reconciled yet. All right? You cannot pick up that responsibility because it takes a willingness. Right? Okay? And there's a lot of people that feel guilt about this and, and, and they end up, uh, you know, being, you know, divided and compounding the problem all because they're trying to exercise what's right. Let God fight the battle. You know, if you don't let God fight the battle, you know what you're going to do? You're going to get frustrated. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How come not, I'm not past this? How come not, I'm not over this? How come I haven't had the victory? And anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, frustrated. And God knows exactly how long, I, I don't know why I want to get off on this, but my soul had been locked down. The Roman centurion's soul was not locked down. It was not locked down with Jewish law and traditions and all this other nonsense. He said, I've been studying you, Jesus. You just speak the word. You don't even have to come with me. Don't you think that, that that's where God wants to get our soul? I've been studying you. Oh, I've been studying you, Jesus. And all I want you to do is just speak to the mountain, speak to the tree, just speak the word. And you don't even have to go with me, even though he will go with you. Okay. And, and, and he says, I'm a man under authority. I say one to one go and he goes, I say to another come and he comes. But you know, when you, when you bounce just a little bit down into Matthew's gospel, right around chapter 19, what you'll find is you'll find that there was a Roman or not a Roman centurion, but, but the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And he said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, well, keep the commandments. And he said, I've kept the commandments from my youth. Now, you need to look at this. He quotes seven out of the ten, Jesus does. Why? Because Jesus knows what to say and what to do to get 100% effect. Okay? What was he quoting? He quotes the last seven commandments. Seven is a biblical number that refers to completion. He's crying out. There was an, there's an incomplete area of, uh, in him, a void area, a hole in him. And he's crying out to be completed. And he was not willing to yield to the first three commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. The second one's just like it. But love your brother as yourself. Third one is, have no other God before me. So he quotes the seven that he's keeping. And it's a revelation of him and his incomplete state, but crying out for completion. Christian people are like this. You don't think that born-again, born-again, spirit-filled people can't get nearsighted? Sure they can, okay? And he was not willing to keep the first three. And this is what's interesting to me. Jesus said, okay, let me, just, let me just cut to the chase here and show you where you're not willing to keep the first three, how you're not willing to keep the first three, how you're not willing to submit to the deity of my lordship. Go and sell what you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. Never told anybody to follow him that he didn't make an apostle. The man rejected apostolic destiny all because he was not willing to submit to deity. Still crying out. I know people in church like this all over America crying out for completion, but not willing to submit to the present day rule of the Lord. Still wanting to live in a time where they got a miracle for what they didn't work for. Okay? He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And we know that camels, there's eye gates and, and walls, and they, they process livestock and all this kind of other stuff. We know that a camel can't go through that eye gate unless it's on its knees, unless it's unloaded from the previous destination. So Jesus is telling this man, I got to get off of you what you brought to me, what I've helped you see. I got to get that off of you. Because it's your wall. And as long as you are carrying the baggage from the past, you'll never get to the life that's on the other side of the wall. It means that you're going to have to be willing to get on your knees. Submit to me. 
So I think that hurt has cycles. And the enemy will do his very best to find out how long you're willing to keep that hurt and that cycle alive. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many realize that revelation sometimes isn't easy? Matthew 11 and verse 40, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word light there means something that shows you something, something that reveals something to you. So if you're going to walk in, um, in Revelation, and if you're going to walk in what Revelation can bring, then that means that sometimes it's going to be a burden. It might be a burden to you. My God, I, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't fully understand what I'm, what I'm believing, what I'm confessing, what I'm applying. Everybody around me thinks that I'm talking different, I'm thinking different, I'm walking different. How many realize you're going to get challenged? Revelation is a burden, okay? You know, when everybody told me, you know, you know I, call, I call them people from jail at 3 in the morning, you know, to get me out of jail. Everybody told me I needed to go to church. I slipped up and went to church and got, not only got saved, but got bilingual in the first service. <laughs> now everybody, now I ain't lying, man. I had no idea what happened to me, okay? Now all of a sudden, everybody said, you know, you're into cheap psychology and you got a weak mind. You want to go to church on Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday night, and you're trying to talk the pastor into Bible study on Tuesday and intercessory prayer on Thursday. Hello? Okay, so it can be a burden when you're trying to implement, you know, the, the revelation that you've come into and you're trying to replace some strongholds and you're trying to move away from some behavioral patterns. I'm going to realize that not everything's the devil. Sometimes it's your behavioral pattern. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. And, and, and we, have to, we have to confront these things with the fruit of the Spirit. And we've got to say, and with the power of the Holy Ghost and the truth of God's Word. And it's not always going to be easy. People will not be, want to be around you when you want to go to a different level. Okay. That's okay. Sometimes you have to leave some people. Not, to, that's not that you want to, but you've got to leave some people for the sake of your own spiritual well-being. Not everybody's going to get you. Okay, I don't even get myself half the time. What the heck was that? Amen. When others can't see God's design, an unmarred soul will set in motion opportunities to be ready. You, you know, when, when people... Here's, here's what I want to say about this. When you have to be in one position and one position alone. And that is just to be in a solid position to be able to do what is right when right is required. I, we teach our kids, hey, look, you can't control what other people do, but you can control yourself. Okay, you do what's right regardless. And how many realize that that means you got to stand on your own sometimes, the majority of the time. Okay, so Jay Baz was a good child, just somebody had put a bad label on him. Just like a lot of people in this room tonight. Most people don't look at the pain that people are bringing to them, no matter how small or how great is being one of the pathways of resolve. Okay, God will use your marriage to heal you. The Lord told me, he said, he said, listen, don't, don't blame that woman for what she's revealing. You know, how many realize it has nothing to do with toilet paper going this way or toilet paper going that way? Right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Just certain things that we like, that we have, that, you know, that our spouses have a tendency to kind of provoke. Has nothing to do with straight lines or just wavy lines in the carpet when you vacuum. Thank God the carpet's vacuumed. Has nothing to do with toothpaste being squeezed in the middle or rolled up from the back. <laughs> right? Who cares? Who cares? But you'd be surprised at the stuff we get hung up on. Well, she just drives me crazy and, 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 and you know, just does, does, does things on purpose. There's a lot of women that think that men leave their underwear in your pathway at the house as some kind of an irritant. Let me just say something to you about men. We're not smart enough to do that. So get over it. Pick it up, put it in the dirty clothes. Okay? 
Thank you. <laughs> One man on the front row. Not a mouse, a man, praise the Lord. Amen. And, and you know, um, what's interesting sometimes is, is when y- you think that you know somebody, and, and, and all it takes is the right circumstance, the right situation, and then all of a sudden something comes out of that somebody, you kind of go, whoa, I didn't know that was there. Right? I mean, my wife ran into this situation just not too long ago. She was at lunch with her girlfriend, and um, she went to the bathroom, and the phone rang, and it was, it was her husband, which is a good friend of ours, and she answered the phone and said, hey, she's in the bathroom. I'll have her call you as soon as she gets back. That's all it took. Now, all of a sudden, this woman is thinking bad thoughts about her. Her and my, my wife and her husband, all because 18 years prior, she had not made peace with his unfaithfulness. And she's gone from relationship to relationship to relationship, little innocent things. Now all of a sudden still triggering, still provoking, still, still bringing out the pain. Okay? Now concerning authority, please catch this. The character of our children is born through the life and the breath of a father. You need to hear this, okay? Timothy's mother raised him in the faith, not his father, Acts 16. We know what happens here. We know that Timothy's father is a Greek. He's not a believer. But I'm thankful that his grandmother, his mother, and him were established in the faith of God. In Matthew 20 and 20, it was the mother of James and John that wanted them to sit on Jesus' right and left side, right? This is, this is the heart. This is the heart. You, would, you know, ideally it would, be, it would be awesome if both set of parents were in the, underneath the same roof. Wouldn't you agree? But how many realize that there's a big difference between the way the father parents and the way the mother parents Okay, huge, all right? It's just, it's huge. As I travel across the nation, I can always tell when the pulpit that I'm preaching for is, has been fathered or hasn't. You know how I can tell? His approach to the congregation will be mothering. But a pulpit that has been fathered will father the congregation. Okay? Hebrews chapter 12 begins to give us some very unique insights. And I want to just share these things with you tonight. Please remember that illegitimacy in our sonship is going to show up. You know how it's going to show up? When somebody hits you with with a very secure word called rebuke. You're going to find out where you're at. Hello? When somebody hits you with a very secure word called scourging. You're going to find out where you're at. Remember, your mind, will, and your emotions are there to parallel with the fruit of the Spirit or the divine nature of God. Okay? When somebody hits you with a very mature and secure word called rebuke, scourging, and chastisement. Most people will say, I'm not going to let nobody talk to me that way. Well, what if they're talking to the fragmentation that has robbed you of relationships for years? What if they're talking to the behavioral patterns that you have, not so much demonized or driven by an oppressing spirit, but because you just refuse to grow up? And they're trying to heal you and let you know that, hey, look, I'm a relationship that's not going to bail on you. I'm a relationship that will stick with you, see you through. Okay? What if they're trying to get you over the hump? And you just simply say, no, I'm going to stay in my own thought. I'm going to stay in my own ideas. I'm going to stay in my own way of, of, of feeling about the situation. And, uh, you know, if you, if you can't relate to me um, and I can't relate to you, I'll find another church. And the problem is, is you're now looking for the 30th church. I know people like this. Hello? The Bible tells us to be like a tree planted, Psalms 1, planted by the river of living water. 
right? I love uh, uh, Ezekiel's vision right around chapter 47, the river that flowed out of the house of God. You know what it did to the trees that were along the riverbanks? It caused them to bear fruit all 12 months out of the, out of the year. You get planted by a river and you'll have an opportunity to overcome what, you, what you've allowed the past to rob you from. Okay? And it's going to come through your willingness to mature. You might say, well, I, I wasn't the cause. Well, now you have been. Maybe you didn't cause the cause, but now you're keeping it alive by using it as an excuse. You know, an excuse is nothing more than a convenient way to lie. Right? Are we okay? Hang in there. I'm almost out of this introduction. I just got a few points for you tonight. <laughs> Okay. You know, um, I, I, I really believe that the church, what, it, what the church desperately needs is, is to be around a, a prophetically driven spirit. Because prophets will guide you. Apostles will govern you. But you have nothing to govern if you haven't been guided. I'm going to try, I'm gonna try and uh, kickstart some things tonight. I'm going to try and guide you a little bit tonight, if that would be okay. Granted, I'm not your pastor, I'm not your shepherd, but my brother is, okay? And he and I can wrestle on the floor if he doesn't agree with me, or I don't agree with him at, at, at the house, okay? No, we're too old to do that, too old to do that. But anyways, <laughs> you could video this. <laughs> we could be a media sensation overnight. Look at those two old dudes. Amen. I think that we should be prophetically driven. And, and I think that there's key elements missing in the church. There's a thousand different things we could talk about tonight. But in Malachi 4 and 6, it says, when the hearts of the fathers are turned to the children, that's when the hearts of the children are turned to their fathers. So that means an older generation has got to do what it takes to get a younger generation to respond. But you know what the mentality of the church is today? Well, bless God, if these young people want to come in, they're just going to have to do it our way. Well, that's the whole reason why they're not coming in. Because our way is not getting it done. I'm not, I'm not talking about catering to somebody or enabling somebody. I am talking about ministering to the generation the way the generation needs to be ministered to. That positions you to finish well because now it appeals to something that you're not yet established in. Okay? So it means we need to sing their songs. Not our songs. Come on, somebody. Come on. We're locked down. Are you kidding me? We can't even think in the mind of Christ. Hello? You get around the fruit of the Spirit. I'm telling you, you get around the fruit of the Spirit, and you listen to people, and they will tell you exactly where they're at. The discernment that you'll have to recognize how they're feeling, what they're thinking, what their motivation is, whether it be God-driven or whether it be self-generated. And I will tell you, the judgment's coming. I'm not one of them judgment prophets, you know, because I'm not a wounded prophet. You know, you, you don't want to be around an angry prophet. This is why God told Ezekiel in chapter 3, don't prophesy when you're angry, because it won't go well for the people. You know, your sheep's going to die on the field within seven days. <laughs> That comes from angry prophets. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? You want to go around a prophet that's happy, 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 happy. Amen. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, I know that happiness is an emotion, okay? Or how about joy? Joy might be a better thing because it's driven out of the spirit. But anyways, seeing that we need to be always so spiritual, okay? But I, I will tell you that my main call in ministry is to, is to infuse sons, with authority that brings them into liberty. I had a vision. I, it was early in my walk with God. I dream dreams now. God's trying to tell me I'm a little older. But um, I, I, I was on a high stage, and I was looking at a pile of black dress shoes about this high. And there was nobody in the auditorium, and all of a sudden the door opened. One, people, one person came in, two people came in, three. They were walking up to these shoes and putting on these shoes and dancing and shouting all over the place. The place was packed. And the Lord said, you better get in a pair of those shoes. So I left the stage and got in those shoes, and they were size 20s. And I said, God, I said, these shoes are huge. And he said, well, to get this done, your walk with me has always got to grow. Now, let me just put it in perspective. Not only do I need to grow, 
But black is an interesting uh, color in Scripture. It refers to authority. And sons wore shoes, not servants. Okay? So we're talking about something here. We're talking about putting authority on sons that produces liberty. That's my main thrust. Revelatory identification. Okay? I'm going to show you something here in just a quick minute. Psalms 27 and 10 says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. God give us fathers that know how to father the body of Christ. Okay? You know what that means? It means that you're not going to be able to get away with the things that you used to be able to get away with. Because you're not going to want to if you're really hearing the opportunities that are going to be start, start being presented before you. Okay, you're going to want to change. You're going to want to develop. You're going to want to grow. You're going to want to mature. All right. Now watch this in Genesis three and verse or chapter thirty-five. I'm sorry, chapter thirty-five of Genesis, verse eighteen. What is happening is the same situation is happening in the life of Benjamin that was taking place in Jabez. His mother is dying in giving him birth. His birth is actually causing his mother to die. And, and, and like I said, older generations have got to catch this. It's younger generations that give you an opportunity to learn how to die to what you need to learn how to die to. Otherwise, you're going to blame them for your sorrow and your unresolved issue. Okay? So, all of a sudden, uh, Benjamin's mother says, hey, he's going to be called Ben-Odai, the son of my sorrow. Because he's causing me to die. She's putting a label on him that is outside of the purpose of God's identity for him to fulfill. And you know what Jacob did? Jacob stepped in. A father will always step in and pull off of you a label that somebody in their pain put on you that is trying to drive you to fulfill something contrary to your purpose. Jacob stepped in and said, no, 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 no. He won't be called Ben-Odai. He will be called Benjamin, the son of my right hand. Well, what is the right hand of God? Oh, come on. I feel him now. Mm, the preacher in the room. Hallelujah. Hey. Uh, what's the right hand of God speak of? It speaks of blessing. It speaks of authority. And it speaks of intercession. He will be the son of my right hand. Now, what's interesting to me, as soon as the father stepped in and began to pull this label off of a generation, something tremendous snowballed. Number one, Benjamin was the 12th born of Jacob, or he was a governmental representation of what father and sons are supposed to produce. Okay? Romans 10 and 1. Philippians 3 and 5, Paul says, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. This is what happens when fathers step in and say, no, 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 no. I see what life has tried to get you to identify with, the sorrow of your upline. But I'm going to pull that off of you and pull that out of you. And I'm going to show you the purpose in which you were created for. Because until somebody does, you don't have that liberty. Until somebody does, you don't have that freedom or that right or that authority. Okay? Now watch what happens. In Luke chapter 1, uh, we, we find that Zacharias, he's the high priest at the time, and he has the, the customary, customary right, the traditional right to name his child Zacharias. But an angel shows up on the right side of the altar. And says, don't call him Zacharias, call him John. The father wants his name to be John. And the brother had a problem with this. Hello? Zacharias had a problem with this. I can't go out there and tell him, tell the crowd that, you know, he's gonna, his name is going to be John. They're going to think I've, I've, I've flipped. Okay? Now, you would, you would hope that your, your, your parents could get into sync with your purpose. You would hope that. Because if sin can visit three to four generations, then why can't the blessing of the Lord? Okay, but somebody's got to start the ball rolling in the right direction.
You know, in Luke 19, Jesus said this to, to, uh, to Nicod- uh, not Nicodemus, but Zacchaeus. He said, he said, the only reason I'm here is because you're, the, you're a son of Abraham. Abraham started the ball rolling for my arrival today. Oh, come on, y'all. This is what you and I got to keep in, keep in perspective here. Our obedience in the moment could have years of a manifestation attached to it. Okay? So Zacharias, he, he's saying, okay, I, I better get compliant. I'll call him John. His tongue is loosed. He comes out and he says, he's not going to be called Zacharias. He's going to be called John. And in verse 66, the scriptures of Luke chapter 1, the scripture says this. The people pondered in their heart what type of child this was going to be. You know what kind of child he was, he was destined to be, the purpose in which he was destined for? He was, number one, he was, he, was be, he was to be destined to be the greatest prophet that ever lived. He was destined to proclaim the coming of the Lord. This is, this is what fathers do. They step in, they go, hmm, okay, I see something trying to warp your perspective about the purpose in which you were created for, and I've got to step in and pull that label off of you so that you can be released to write three quarters of the New Testament to proclaim the coming of the Lord. Okay? So what do you do when life puts a label on you? Well, you better get around a father. Better get around a father. I'm just saying. That reference in Romans was not 10 in verse 1. It was chapter 11 in verse 1. Okay. Now what's interesting to me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to close. And you know what that means? It means that probably you've been in some meetings that have heard a preacher say that. And their closing was not even close to being a closing. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. I don't know what time I got the pulpit. I'm not sure. Well, I know that, but you know. Okay. This can only handle what this can handle. Okay. I get that. Okay. And even though you have nice, comfortable chairs, okay, there's just a reality side to this. You know, it's so funny. Please don't. Don't start laughing. Because I was in church the other night, and this lady started laughing like a seal. Her laugh, her laugh was like a seal. Or, or, or. <laughs> I ain't lying, man. <laughs> See, you never know what's going to come out of people, okay? And I was so jacked up by the whole thing. I meant to say, everybody put your song on, because I was talking about, you know, the power of being thankful. And I said, everybody put your thong on. <laughs> so please, if you've got a seal laugh, just... <laughs> <laughs> I know, man, the, the slip of the tongue in the pulpit. But in Luke chapter 5 and verse 5, we know what happens. Jesus shows up at Peter's business, and he doesn't even ask Peter for permission. He just gets into one of his boats, and he casts out a little bit, turns his business into his pulpit, and, and without asking permission, because he, there was a destiny attached to this. Uh, ultimately, he was going to end up c- causing his, his heart to be his pulpit. And we know what happens, and we got to, please catch this. We, 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 Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus knows exactly what to say and what to do, right? Now, I'm sure that when he told Peter, hey, look, Peter, I know that you've toiled all night and caught nothing, but nevertheless, do this, and something, something great's going to happen, right? What did he tell him to do? Launch out into the deep, Right? It's kind of an odd saying because these fishermen, because of their diet, their, their dietary restrictions, they only ate fish from the shallows. And Jesus is telling this man, I got to change your appetite here. And you're going to see the results. What you can't get done. I can. And the beauty of Christianity is all God wants is what we have. He'll take what we have and he'll do with it what we can't. Okay? 
And we know what happens, this huge catch comes in. And it's interesting, the whole process that, that you know, that Peter and Jesus uh, go through in three and a half years. And, and in John 21 and verse 3, the same scenario. Peter says, I'm going fishing. And you know where he went fishing? The very same place that he met Jesus. Wow. Everything came full circle. So we can go ahead and run from what we run or running from, but you can never move too far away from where you're hurting. Okay? Then all of a sudden, you'll have a few good seasons, but then you're going to have to come back and let the Lord deal with this. Okay? So he goes back to where Jesus met him, and, he, and, and Jesus says the exact same words to him, have you caught anything? No, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. And Jesus said, Okay. Let's let the net over the right side of the boat now. Not so much the right side, left, right, but the right side now. The right hand of God, the right side of the altar. Come on, somebody. Where the blessing, where the authority, and where the intercession is. And let me show you what I can do. I'll show you what I can do that you can't. Huge catch comes in all, of, all, all over again. And now Peter is, is, is convicted and his life is radically changed and he becomes a tremendous apostle for the Lord. How about concerning intercession? Jabez did pray, keep me from evil. Zechariah 3 verse 1. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. Satan and, and Satan standing at the right hand to oppose him. That's verses 6 and 7. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying thus says the Lord of hosts. If. Everybody shout if. If. if and how many realize that it wasn't if Jesus could heal uh, the son of the you know that was demon possessed by the father that was crying out. He's drowning my kid. He's burning my kid. If you can heal him. Jesus said no it's not if I can. It's if you can believe. Right? What was he saying to the man? Apparently you lacked the revelation for the manifestation. Right? Okay. So we have to understand these things. If you will walk in my ways and if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge over my courts. And I will give you places to walk among these who stand here. Or basically what he was saying is you're going to have Revelation 12 and verse 10. You overcome the, the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. Okay. If you will walk uprightly before me, you won't have to try and justify yourself. You won't have to go through a lot of religious ordeals. You won't have to go through a lot of, uh, how can I say, you know, uh, courtroom activity. Okay. Why? Because you'll be the one that's illustrating the blessing, the authority, and the intercession. Okay, you, you'll be operating out of a, out of a pureness. Your, your garment will not have wrinkles or spots or blemishes. You won't be a spot in the midst of the love feast. You won't be a cloud that acts like you got rain but can't produce no rain. Right? How many realize that Jesus is coming in the clouds? You need to understand that. And, and according to Hebrews 12 and 1, or 12 and 3, I'm sorry, saints are symbolic to clouds. He's coming in the clouds, talking about you, talking about multiple yous, all right? Revelation 1 and 7, he's coming with the cloud, okay? He will not only come with you, but he'll also come in you. And you know what happens then? The drought's over. You now see what prophets hear. Amen. Okay. So, what do you do when your identity is wrapped up in somebody else's pain? You better pray. And there's a lot of people out there, they'll say, prayer's overrated. Well, those are underachievers in prayer. Okay. No, really, it, it is. I, I, I think that, that we, we need a strong life of prayer. I, I have intercessors in my ministry that are in 27 different states. We do prayer summits. We don't do prayer, uh, you know, meetings. We, we do prayer summits. We believe in a higher level. Okay? You don't pray, things don't change. 
right? Number one, what do you do? Change your focus because God does not look at things the way we do. Number two, don't let someone else's label define you. Abuse always takes place when you do not know your identity. Number three, go back to the manufacturer. <laughs> Take it up with God. Hey, whoa, something's off here. I got a dream, but I got a label. Hello? I got a revelation, but I got a reputation. Right? Something off here. Okay? And number four, resolve that you will not be the product of the environment that you came out of, but the product of your own decisions. Okay? Can I tell you something as I really do close this time? We don't learn from our experiences. We learn from reflecting on our experiences. Okay? How many realize that you're born with two lives? The life that you have trouble with and the life that you learn how to let that trouble go with. Right? Let me encourage you. Here's a prayer, 2 Chronicles 6, verses 34 through 42. Solomon's prayer of dedication after reconciliation. And it's a good prayer to pray when people in your life aren't acting right. Anybody got anybody in your life that's not acting right? I know a whole lot of folk in my life right now caught from coast to coast that ain't act, acting right. Hello? All right. Forgiving enemies like you've been forgiven, there, there might be the hope of reconciliation. You're here tonight, and you know what it's like to have somebody else put a label on you that has tried to talk you into that identification but yet the purpose in your heart screams out for something different. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Now, people that want help, they don't go like this. Okay? People that want help, uh, yeah, that, that's a reality in my life. Okay? If you lifted your hand or if you wanted to lift your hand, would you stand up right now? Did anybody get anything tonight? Thank you, Father.